Welcome to Talking Giants presented by Seeky. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we got the Chris Myrick podcast. We've been a Chris Myrick podcast since day one. Got him on for about 25 minutes. It was actually a pretty good interview. We talked like some X's and O's football talk for about 10, 15 minutes. And then uh, he kind of opened up and we had some fun towards the end. Justin, how are you? You're in Arizona. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaving today, going home from Glendale. Super Bowl was awesome. We'll talk about that. But I'm really excited for all of you to hear the Chris Myrick interview. It was a cool 24, 25 minutes. The first half of it was kind of like interviewee cliche stuff, but then stick with it through the second half. Even the first half was good, but the second half we like open up a lot more. We actually laugh and shoot the shit a little bit. So uh, we interviewed a man who can't be stopped. Literally can't be stopped. I had I haven't decided on what the intro is. If you're listening to this, you've already heard the intro on the podcast platforms. But there's like four or five good like can't stop songs. Don't stop me! Um, don't stop me! Don't stop! Hey hey hey! Um, so we'll we'll see which one I end up going to. You'll know at this point. Ooh, um, ooh, ooh. We do want to do some Super Bowl talk, but we'll do that coming out of the interview. Uh, of the only news in Giants land since the last time we were on, Wink Martindale is out of the running. For the Colts, so he is back, which was a relief because I really didn't feel like scrambling for defensive staffing uh, issues because I think Drew Wilkins would have went with him. Um, the Colts, by the way, they are just like an Eagles offensive coordinator factory. Yep. You know, they they brought Frank Reich, Eagles offensive coordinator. The next Eagles offensive coordinator was Mike Groh, the Giants' current wide receiver coach. They brought him as the wide receiver coach, and now Shane Steichen. Um, and then their offensive coordinator is Nick Sirianni, who cried. Yeah, I, I have some thoughts on that um, when we when we talk about our Super Bowl. But they should have just kept – If it's almost like if you're just going to keep going to the Eagles tree, you just should have kept Frank Reich. But glad Wink Martindale's back. We deserve the continuity. And definitely if they're – even if we do lose Mike Kafka, which at this point I don't think that we will because if he if the Cardinals really wanted him, you'd think that they, maybe they would have hired him already. But even, yeah. if, even if we lose Mike Kafka, having Wink Martindale here makes me a lot more comfortable. Yeah, John, I mean the the Cardinals are going to interview Jonathan Gannon. That's why they were waiting till after the Super Bowl. Um, obviously, not the best game for Jonathan Gannon uh, to go into that interview. But I think the reason they waited is because they want to hire Gannon. But we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we're not dealing with losing Kafka by the end of the end of the week. We should have some uh, news on that soon. All right, Justin, let's uh, get into the interview with Chris Myrick. But first, why don't you talk to us about something? The Eagles fans talk- could use what you're going to talk to us yeah, about. Yeah, you know what? This is actually a really good point. This show is sponsored by Better Help. Um, and, I'll, and I'll tell you what, at that game, I mean, those, those Eagles fans, it was a full spelling bee for about uh, my five, six-hour day. So uh, they're going to need some better help, and they're going to need help to get better after a really bad day. And working with the therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you and getting away from Eagles football because when you feel empowered you're more prepared to take on everything life throws at you if you're thinking of giving therapy a try better help is a great option it's convenient flexible affordable and entirely online so when you're crying about the Eagles you can stay home and that's that just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge if you want to live a more powered life therapy can get you there visit betterhelp.com slash Talking Giants today to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P dot com slash Talking Giants. One G. You know the drill. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. And here's Chris Myrick. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. We now welcome on to the program. A man who can't be stopped, literally. Tight end slash H-back slash fullback all in one. Chris Meyer. Chris, how you doing? How's the offseason treating you? It's been so far so good. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. No doubt. Um, fun season for the Giants, you know, and, and that started with you. Like, And I, I think the two-point conversion can kind of overlook it. And that's where I want to go with my first question. You've got two in the regular season. What is what is your favorite touchdown of your career? Ooh. Uh, I'd have to say this Tennessee one for sure. A um, little bit cleaner of a catch than the, the one last year, although that was pretty memorable for the first one. Uh, but I think just 
this the, that game itself was like just such a good game for us and a great start to the year that uh, I think that one sticks with me a little more. Do you get a little salty that that like the Saquon made an amazing play on the two pointer and like it kind of gets <laughs> overlooked? It's like we need to be celebrating Chris Myrick after this. <laughs> no, not at all because that that won us the game. So yeah. Um, it was kind of like a block and release play, if I remember correctly. Was that a play where it's like, all right, if this goes correctly, I know 100% I'm getting the ball? Pretty much, uh, you're the first. Re- I mean, we've we've run that play a bunch this year. I think Bellinger scored on it uh, against the Vikings uh, in the playoff game. Yeah. And it's it's been pretty successful for us. So, it's yeah, I mean, and if, if all goes right, you're the first read. And they went right that time so <laughs> were both of your touchdowns in your career like block and release plays for you yeah both pretty much block and release goal line uh the first one was to the left i remember that and then this one was to the right but uh i think the first one was a little bit different i think we were like a heavier personnel like unbalanced um so that was that was a little bit different but yeah so far it's been like that <laughs> At Could the you, Eagles uh, one, you caught between your legs. At what point were you like, this is like, did you know it was a touchdown or did you have to look up the scoreboard and like, oh my God, that thing didn't touch the ground? I was, I was about 99% sure I kept it off the ground, but you know, I had to just double check with that, the replay. And from my, from what I could see, I was like, it was, it wasn't on the ground yet. And I just got my hand under it. So I, I, I was pretty sure that was clean. So, yeah. You became a fan and show favorite. I think like our podcast title after that was like Talking Giants, Chris Myrick podcast. Oh, yeah. we, we, we pride ourselves on every man on the roster knowing who they are. So like when you when you came over after the camp that year, we knew who you are. I was actually at that Bucks Monday night football game and you were warming up. I'm like, who the hell is 41? Look, I'm like, oh, that's Chris Myrick. Like we know who Chris Myrick is. And then the next week he became a fan favorite. I think you had like a stop, drop and roll catch in that play too, or in that game. Uh, yeah, too. the Eagles game. Yeah, I did. Uh, another like bootleg. Um, I kind of got held up and twisted and fell to the ground and rolled and was able to pop up. And DJ made a great play. Yeah, that was, that, that was, was a fun game. That, that, that was a real yeah, fun that game. Was, that was a fun game. Me and Justin were actually I don't go to a lot of games. I was at I was at that game too. And just seeing you roll around on the ground, get up, make a catch, get some yak. It was it was fun to watch and you kind of became a show favorite. So we talked about your two regular season touchdowns. You had a Hail Mary catch in a preseason game, which is like the coolest play you could be a part of. But like what were the emotions after doing that in a preseason game? Like at the end of the day, it, the win didn't matter as much, but it's like you still made one of like the craziest plays that no one remembers. No, I mean that was still a great feeling. That was that was the last preseason game I was with Miami um, against Cincinnati, and it was it was just a good feeling because it's like you kind of I kind of had a feeling you know I wasn't going to stick around too much there, and I was I was just really happy to go out on a high note and kind of I think that probably helped me get to New York, uh, maybe get noticed here or there, but that that was a hell of a feeling too, you know, especially. Uh, all the you know all the starters went nuts on the sideline and they're running on the field getting fined for running on the field and celebrating and stuff that was, that was a pretty cool feeling it's almost like the Kenny Galladay touchdown versus the Eagles where it's like didn't really matter at the end but it's just like an emotional <laughs> feeling and yeah, like just good, good for the guy that got it you know I get you what was the sideline like after that I know this is a little bit of a little bit of a pivot but it just looked like the sideline erupted and this is like kind of like the first player that we've had a chance to talk to after that like it, you guys look just so elated that he did that how how awesome was it it was great i mean you know everybody loves kg so it's it was just like a good feeling you know for him to finally get that one to kind of get that off his chest but yeah. uh i mean all the guys are happy for him yeah yeah it was a obviously didn't go the way they expected with him but he's you know usually fans can turn on a guy like that but like kg always kept it professional and he seemed like there wasn't a single fan that wasn't like happy for him yeah, in that moment. Um, yeah. Are you aware, Chris? I'm I'm a big stats guy, and I wanted to look this up. You have ten catches in your career. Seven of them have gone for first downs, two for touchdowns. So that's I'm a big like first down or touchdown guy. Like, are you moving the chains? Are you trying to put six points on the board, or are you actually putting six points on the board? Ninety percent first down slash touchdown conversion rate. How do you feel about that? That's that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. I mean, hopefully. Uh, hopefully I get some more of those. Uh, Maybe those numbers will go a little bit down the more you, you know, play and have regular downs and not always in the goal line red zone situations. But uh, that's pretty cool. You got a lot of playing time this year. There's, I I wanted to ask you about this, the Jaguars game. Mm -hmm. Belly goes out. You guys are finishing the game off. You you did it out of different formations. 
but you ran power eight straight <laughs> times to end the game and you're you know you're the lead block you know you're the the kick out block on that for most of the most part seventh time daniel Jones comes into the into the huddle with that play call like what's the mindset i think after the third time we kind of knew okay we're just going to keep doing this until we don't gain yards <laughs> or i guess until we get into a third down but that kind of never happened um and you know kind of the guys are kind of getting fired up like you know hey they're not stopping it let's let's keep running down their throat you know let's go win this game yeah it was it was one of you know that game for different reasons ended and, and crazy but it was just i i was I, I end up being at all your biggest games i was at that guy live in florida so i was at that game and i was just like they just keep running power like and that's without Be- bellinger out too you think they would maybe go away from that it's like nope they are lining up they are motioning myrick they're pulling a zudu and just going after it down after down and i feel like that as for someone that plays your position that's got to be a good feeling it's like okay like yeah, Saquon's running the ball, but I'm the guy they're trusting to make this work eight times in a row. Yeah, it was it was a good feeling for sure. I mean, I think we had a little bit more success running it to the right. You know, I remember the one we ran to the left. It kind of that one kind of it got stuffed a little bit, but you know, we we went back at it again and got some more yards. Um, I admire so much like the the mentality of an athlete. And especially like, you know, guys that are drafted like in the first round, second round, you know, the, their roles are kind of already like kind of carved out for them. You know, you're here, you're here to be a starter, you're here to you're here to do something full time, right? But pretty sure you earned a scholarship at Temple. You walked on to Temple, you earned that scholarship. That video was awesome, by the way. I, I watched I watched it this morning, just everybody everybody's celebrating. So talk to me through your mentality of, you know, you undrafted free agent, went to the Dolphins, you know, you, you went you went to a couple different teams. And now you're kind of contributing with the Giants. So your mentality of something to always, you got to prove something. Talk to me about that mentality because I admire it like so much. For sure, for sure. You kind of mentioned it. It kind of started at Temple. Uh, just being a walk-on, you kind of got to find a way to add value to a program or team or organization, wherever you are. Um, so learning that, you know, kind of having that mentality to end up earning a scholarship, it's like, okay, once you go undrafted, it's kind of like the same same situation. How can I add value, special teams, find a role in the offense, do what you can do to bring value to a team, and then it's kind of like that. And it kind of, it basically starts over every year. You know, it's you're never guaranteed a spot. Uh, NFLs they they call it not for long. Um, so you kind of got to understand that every year is a new year, and it's going to be like starting over. And you got to f- figure out a way how you can add value to a team, and you know how you can kind of get your foot in that door and stick around. This year specifically with that, like, you know, you came along last year with a whole different, you know, GM, head coach coming to this year, uh, you know, after being with the Bengals. So there wasn't any there wasn't any ties to the new regime. And, you know, they brought in guys to play that H-back role. Uh, you know, Dre from, you know, Maine, obviously he got hurt. And then Jeremiah Hall and, and you came in. What was like uh, the talk that they had with you from going from like, hey, you play traditional Y to like, hey, this is this is the H back role we want on the team. Obviously, you're going to line up in line and stuff. But like, what was the role in that and how you grew into that and, and eventually took that job? Yeah, I kind of just looked at it as the more you can do. You know, it's I didn't start off uh, doing that stuff. You know, during OTAs and even really the start of camp. Uh, I think once we kind of lost some bodies there, and I got the opportunity to you know get a rep or two at it. Um, I guess they liked what I could do and, you know, figured out that I could add value in that way. Um, and, you know, that's that's all I care about. I want to just be on the field. So uh, I had done some stuff like that in college, not not like too much, but, you know, I felt comfortable back there. I had done a little bit of it last year, too, in the backfield um, or, you know, just kind of like ISO blocks in the backfield, stuff like that. Um and yeah, I guess you know they liked what I, they liked what they saw, and uh, yeah, kind of just took it from there. Schematically, what made this year's offense work? I mean, it was fun, you know, finally seeing a Giants offense. I was able to put some put some points on the board. So, what were some of the things that you liked? What Dable and Kafka kind of brought to the table could be for you personally, or just could be kind of in general. Yeah, um, I think it all just started with running the ball uh, successfully. You know, you guys saw that in Tennessee, Saquon went off. And from there, it kind of opened everything up, play action, uh, even just regular drop back stuff, you know, kind of keeping defenses on their toe, on their heels um, and just being pretty multiple in, in our offense. Uh, we, we, we ended up like changing a lot throughout the year. 
Um, yeah. you know, early on, we were real big, heavy personnel. Then we kind of got into some smaller personnel, more no huddle stuff. Um, so we were pretty, pretty multiple on offense. And I think that's, you know, that's key to, you know, keeping defenses on their heels and not knowing what to expect. Yeah, it, it seemed like those first couple of games, obviously they were running the ball, but, you know, they were, you know, trying to run wave concepts and get the ball downfield and then made an adjustment, like you said, to the heavy personnel. And then towards the end of the year, spread it out, you know, you know, quick, you know, working shotgun quick game a lot. But specifically you, Bellinger goes out in that Jacksonville game. Your playing time's going to go up. Cager comes in, who's a very different player, obviously converted from wide receiver. Was there, like, in the meeting rooms with Biscoff or Dabes or Kafka, was there, like, a different, like, okay, this is how we're going to treat the tight end room after that? Uh, it was kind of like a week-by-week -week basis, you know. Um, some games were like, hey, you know, probably going to be an 11 personnel most of the game here. Um, you know, most of your reps are going to come special teams. So it'd be like that kind of week-by-week depending on who you're playing. But, um, you know, there's always that time, you know, you get in, we call it four-minute offense when we, we want to run the clock. We want to control the ball at the end of the game. And that's when, you know, they always have their heavy personnel stuff ready to go. Yeah. Um, and, and like down, you know, short yardage and goal line stuff. So there's always that kind of role to be to be had. And that's kind of how it was week by week. We we were we were pretty different each each week, I would say. You know, some week Kager would play a lot and some week he'd be inactive. So you, you kind of really never knew. Biscoff, he he I can't get a I could get a good read on like the personality of different coaches. Biscoff, it's like kind of maybe like a quiet reserve, and then you see him on the sideline goofing off. Like, what's his personality like? Because he seems like a good a good hang. He's funny, man. He's funny. he cracks me up. I love him though. He's a he's a from Minnesota, so he's got that kind of almost like Canadian like accent and humor. Yeah. Um, but he's he's kind of like a good clean humor kind of guy. So it cracks us up. You know, tight end room sometimes we'll we'll kind of joke around a little bit maybe some R-rated stuff, and I'll kind of be like, whoa, guys, whoa. <laughs> I, I spent a couple of years in Minnesota playing ball, and that was like, I was like, oh, yeah, these, this Florida humor doesn't really play with them. Like, <laughs> nah. we're, we're in class, you'd be doing like, shut the hell up, and people are I'm like, oh, you guys don't think that's funny? So Minnesota people are uh, a weird type of nice, but they are nice. Uh, he, day, we, we love him, though. He's he's a great coach, and all he, all he cares about is getting better every day, so it's good to be around him. Yeah, he seems like uh, you know a, a good guy to play for. Um, the Bengals. I mean, you went on on a Super Bowl run with them. You know, where was the plan for you to come back to the Giants? But then the Bengals swooped. Like, what? Talk us through that process, and then going on, going from you know a, pr a pretty miserable Giants season when when DJ went down to now you're in the middle of a Super Bowl run. Yeah, it was like. It was a pretty big flip. Um, <laughs> so that I got, I think I got released on the Tuesday before the last game. And, you know, they're like, we kind of just need to make a roster move. They kind of couldn't carry enough guys. Um, and they want to bring me back Monday after the game. So I'm like, okay. And we get a call on Wednesday. You know, my agent's like, hey, Cincinnati wants to sign you to the practice squad. They had, I can't remember if they won their division or they had a guaranteed uh, playoff game. So, you know, they're like, you can go, go get another, at least two more weeks on practice squad. And, you know, giants will still have you back after that. So that was kind of the plan. And then it ended up just turning into, you know, like you said, a pretty crazy super bowl run. Is there a guy from that tight end room and doesn't even have to still be on that team that you're, that you're close with at all, or, or you know, still oh, keep with? yeah. Um, I, I got pretty close with, uh, Uzama. Uh, I liked him a lot. Um, I'm glad you said that. Uzoma does a show for us, so I was I was oh, like, yeah. okay, I was trying to segue into Uzoma. What, what's what's he like? Do you you uh keep you know I, you guys ever hang out when because you guys are both in yeah, both you New know, York, Jersey, yeah. New York now. No, we have we haven't hung out. Um, I saw we we caught up before uh you know pregame before the Jets uh, preseason game. That was good to see him. Uh, but no, yeah, he's he's a good dude. Uh, I think he's got like a musical or something going on. He's seems like he's pretty active outside of football. So, um, but yeah, no, I liked him. All that, that, that whole room was great in Cincinnati. Um, and their coach, James Casey, I liked a lot too. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's no wonder to see, you know, how successful they've been. You're going to join him in the musical? Much of a <laughs> no. singer yourself? <laughs> no, not much of a musical guy myself. <laughs> Maybe we'll just put you through the whole John Boy media car wash. Like, all right, now we we get you because know, Cager Cager played with them uh, too. Maybe we'll get yeah. like a you know some type of weird 
love triangle reunion between you Kager and, and Myrick or you Kager and Uzoma. Um, speak, who, who's the guy you're the closest with on this current Giants yeah. team? Uh, I'd, I mean, all the tight ends really were pretty close. Um, we're trying to plan a trip. Uh, it's been a little bit of a struggle to kind of get everyone on the same page with, you know, everyone's got different stuff going on, but, um, I mean, coming in, you know, I was pretty close with, you know, uh, Ricky Seals Jones and Jordan Akins when they were here, um, kind of being the older guys. Um, and then, you know, we had a lot of, we had a lot of turnover, but I, I got pretty close with Tanner. Um, Cager came in, we, we got close, you know, and Bellinger has been around the whole time. We, we've, we've grown pretty close, I would say as well. Um, you know, him being, he's a little, he's a little younger. So you kind of see that, that difference sometimes, you know, we go out to dinner and, He's ordering a Sprite and, you know, like, oh, yeah, forget you're a 22-year-old kid, you know. <laughs> so it's a little funny that way, but no, we've, we've gotten really close. Um, I think we've had we've had one of the better rooms I've been around, you know, uh, especially it's like it's definitely one of the better rooms I've been around, I would say. I I think the the best example of Bellinger being the young guy in the room, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you remember picture day, Jihad Ward was going Instagram live. And just wouldn't leave him alone. Like, ah, you ever been with a sister? Like, just going out. And I, I, I saw the uncomfortable, like the feeling yeah, in him. I'm he, like, man, he, just... probably, he was definitely uncomfortable around Hottie to start. <laughs> I think everyone was like, "What's Hottie's deal?" You know. And then kind of, it's like, all right, this is just how he is. Uh, it's so that's funny though. Yeah, I, 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 you know, if I see an Instagram live notification, I'll, I'll check in for five seconds. That one just had me draw it in. I was like, I'll, I wanted to yell through the screen, but I was like, tell him to go away. Like you, <laughs> like you, you got a beautiful girl, and and he is trying to mess yeah, something up for you. He is a riot. He's yeah. a great. Pilot. Yeah, he's he seems like it's you know like a one of the leaders in that locker room. Where's the destination vacation for the tight ends? Where are we thinking of going? We're trying to figure it out. Uh, some guys want to go to Mexico. Um, some guys want to go to Vegas. It's uh, it's up in the air right now. I may Just have a timeshare in Cancun. Simple. No, don't go to Florida. I may have a timeshare in Cancun. We may be renting, so <laughs> let me know. Um, Justin, Justin's trying to get off of a timeshare mid-interview. Yeah, <laughs> why not? <laughs> take advantage. <laughs> I don't know if we'll take that off your hands. I don't know. Um, locker room games. Uh, that was, that was, we, we had art on and art, art was t- telling us all about like, I, I think like Saquon and like Davis Webb were like all time, like ping pong competitors this year. Like two guys that you wouldn't think would be hanging out playing ping pong. Did, did you, were you part of like the, some of the locker room games? Were you like in that competitive nature or even if not, like, you know, who, who was like your favorite to watch? Who were some like guys that went after it? Now, uh, Davis and Saquon definitely got after it at ping pong. They would, they would play hours straight, just back to back to back, you know? You saw those two on the table. You knew, all right, they're going to be on here for a while. Um, but no, yeah, I, my game was a uh, four square. I don't know if you guys. Oh, four square is a great. I don't even know if kids still play, but that's an you, amazing. You game. got that going. Uh, I would say I was the best at that. You know, I would run the, the king square for 10, 12 games straight, and that would be pretty fun. But uh, ping pong was definitely, you know, the favorite favorite in the locker room. Uh, doubles would be fun. You know, you kind of match up with you know, a guy you might not talk to all the time. And then you kind of, uh, you know, you're working together as a team and it's, it, it got pretty fun. Where in the facility are you guys playing for square? Uh, it's in the locker room too. You know, they just laid down some tape uh, kind of, kind of in between the ping pong tables. It kind of got, it kind of died out towards the end of the year. Uh, once uh, I think we got like more and more couches in the middle um, and then we kind of lost some space and, but four square was fun. Four square was more like a one day a week thing. I think we would play it uh saturdays after our you know after our walkthrough and, and yeah but ping pong was every day now I'm, I'm making a mental of note of because after the draft when you guys are doing otas we we come up with a black van and do interviews mm. like we had andrew thompson at i think justin we might need to just bring some chalk and set up some four square in the parking lot <laughs> just get the whole team out there with us and get yeah. some like live four square interviews. Ping, ping pong tables what, what what else what else should we bring so we have ping pong tables we have tape for four square what what else should we bring? Yeah, I think those are the two. I think those are the only two games that would get pretty active. Um, cornhole, I'll bring cornhole. Cornhole is always good. We had a little uh, like chip and putt mat. You know, got a little bit of yeah, use yeah, yeah. For probably about a week, <laughs> um, and then you know you lose all the balls, and no one really wants to play anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
I, the four square idea has me jacked up. Like I, I four squares and I haven't played in a while, but it's an all time. You got to get a good, good pe- amount of people going. You know, we would have a line. We'd have like a line five or six deep waiting to, for the next guy to get in. It was, it was pretty fun. Oh yeah. It, would, it, it makes for a good time. I remember, you know, PE and, and middle schools. Like there's just the line for four square who can stay on the longest. <laughs> um, I want to grill you a little bit. Hmm. You guys did the whiteout for the Monday Night Football game. All the players were tweeting at us to wear whiteout. We tweeted out like, "If Chris Myrick doesn't tell us to wear whiteout, you didn't. We're not wearing it." What What was up with that? How come you couldn't, you know, get the fans riled up? Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm just not a big Twitter guy personally. Uh, <laughs> I don't know when the last time I tweeted was. I, I think I saw that after, um, after the fact of the game. I, you know, I had some buddies send it to me, and I'm pretty sure there was a fake. Chris Myrick. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna kick your ass or something. Like that. <laughs> so I was like, all right, he's got a handle for me, but that was pretty funny. I'm, I'm gonna let me see if I. It, it looked very believable because obviously, you know. Uh, <laughs> let's see. You want to hear something funny? So I, I host tailgates every uh-huh. week or like every week, and like we have tailgate shirts. So I was all right. This is gonna be our blackout. Like I was planning this for months. The Cowboy game. It's a prime time game. We're all wearing our black shirts a week later. And I'm like, son of a bitch. We're all going white. (laughs) Do you ever get people pronouncing your name Merrick? Yeah. Because that's what I pronounce it at first. Um, Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to to find this tweet live on air because that that, that got us pretty good. Like, I'm going to kick your ass. Do you see the can't like it's. It's funny, but it's not like the. Do you see the? He literally can't be stopped because it's like every time you're put in a role, like you do well, like even though you don't have I, the flashy people, numbers. Yeah. People have sent me that stuff. It's I. I enjoy. It. I appreciate you guys supporting, man. That's that's good. You guys get my name out there. It's 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 fun. Ninety hey, percent like, of the time, you've touched the like ball. You're a, you're a podcast favorite, you know, and we you know we have a big audience, and like you said, we're getting the Chris Myrick name out. When you re-signed the futures, I like went on the Giants Reddit and it's all Bobby Skinner's rejoicing. <laughs> um I'm I'm name searching you and I got DJ getting like slammed at the Packers game, being like, fuck it, Chris Myrick down there somewhere. Mm. Uh, <laughs> let me see. I I can't find it. I can't find it, but it was it might have got deleted or something. I don't know. Um Shame. Julian Love tweeted out talking Giants versus the world, unprovoked. Oh. Just, what do we got to do really to get a talking giants versus like you said you haven't tweeted in a while it'd be a good way to come back that would be a good way i'll, I'll think about that yeah we'll see. Well, we're gonna put this out the tuesday after the super bowl so maybe okay. you know we're gonna put out a little hype reel like a you know a man that can't be stopped joins the <laughs> podcast on tuesday so all right that'd be a good time then uh chris we appreciate you justin you don't have anything else do you i don't have anything else thank you chris myrick awesome. appreciate yeah. you glad you're uh you know you know, working and still with this team, excited to see what you guys build on and do next year, man. Appreciate you. Yep. Thank you guys. Appreciate you guys for the support. No doubt. Talking Giants versus the world, man. There like we it. go. That's what we needed. All right. Glad Justin didn't press end record. <laughs> hey, Sean, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your <laughs> Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right. Thanks again, Chris Myrick, for coming on the podcast. Man, can't be stopped from going on a podcast. The biggest race of the NASCAR season is coming up on February 19th, the Daytona 500, also known as the Great American Race. This is the one that every driver wants to win. We're going to be there, Justin. I'm very excited yeah. for this week. We're going to be there Thursday, uh, getting there. You're flying 10 a.m. Thursday. We're going straight to the track yeah. from there. I'm going to be um, honest. This is more of a dream come true going to the Daytona 500 than going to a Super Bowl. Yeah, the, the Super Bowl is like hectic. This is going to be a very fun this will be the most just like fun content we do. Like there's yeah. content we do is fun, but it's like it's also a lot of work. This is just like this is just going to be f- a fun week. Um, so I, I'm very I'm very excited for it. Like I grew up before I was a football fan, I was a racing fan. I'm not, you know, and I, I still yeah, me too love NASCAR. If if a driver wins this race, they'll forever be called a Daytona 500 champion and etch the name in the history books. It it's. I'm not going to sit here and be like, here, you should watch all 36 NASCAR races. The Daytona 500, you should absolutely watch. Yeah. I mean, they are always packed tight. There's going to be big wrecks. It is the, If there's one race a year you pick to watch, it's this one because you have all the history. You have all the bells and whistles, but it always ends up being a good race. There's never been a, like, oh, that was a boring Daytona 500. Um, you know, so it's a nice good come down from football season. And I'll tell uh, you what, and- you know, we're going to be there and – 
NASCAR is sending us out there. Like this isn't just us going out there. Like we we pitched it to John Boabide. NASCAR came to us, which is really really freaking cool that NASCAR thinks that they would want John Boy Media personalities to attend their race. So, I mean, tag them on socials. Say you want more, you know, talking Giants, John Boy Media guys. There's going to be We Got Ices going out there too. And they're really funny guys. So, um, you know, get involved and, you know, help us work with NASCAR more, which would be awesome. We're working on getting a driver on Friday's podcast. Um, so maybe we'll have like a driver for you guys to root for as part of like talking Giants versus the world. So I would love that. Um, so if you've never checked out NASCAR, you got to see this race. Park yourself on the couch for the afternoon and tune into the Daytona 500 on Sunday, February 19th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. The same channel. You don't even have to change your channel from the Super Bowl. Just, just if you don't watch TV besides sports, just leave it off. Turn it back on. You're good. All right, Justin. Just do a little Super Bowl talk. Um, it's like the, it's the one time of year where we talk about other games in depth uh, on the Talking Giants podcast. Um, this was a hell of a game. Like, yeah, like the Eagles came out and they really couldn't be stopped on offense. You know, uh, you know they scored thirty five points. Like they had a great. Like Jalen Hurts played amazing, right? Like he basically did what like Daniel Jones did in that Vikings game, where it's like he played damn near perfect except for that fumble. Um, but it's just man. The combination of, like, we're kind of seeing another version of Belichick and Brady, where it's like you got the best and the best on the same team with Reed and Mahomes. Like, Reed knows, like, he he knows how to pick what you do, like, what you do on film and, like, this is how we're going to exploit to it. And and all three touchdowns, they did a, a great job seeing what the Eagles were doing, where they, on that jet motion, they would bump the cover, like they would bump the coverages down, you know, so that jet motion didn't beat them into the flats. And the Giants or the 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 uh, the Chiefs did that short motion for all three touchdowns. The Travis Kelsey one was more than just a guy getting wide open off the short motion. Kelsey ran a great ra- route on it, but the Kadarius Tony and the Sky Moore touchdown were the same exact things, like getting them to bump their coverage. Now they've totally lost leverage out in the flats with that short motion, got a touchdown. Um, you know, and and Mahomes got the ball out like very quick, like fifty six percent of his throws were out in two and a half seconds, which is not always the case with him. Like they had a great plan for this Eagles defense, and no matter how good the Eagles offense was, they were able to pull it out at the end. It, it was just being there. It was so crazy how much more talented the Eagles are. Like their skill position players are just flat out making better catches. I mean, did Marquez Valdez Scandling have like a catch? Yo, I did, think he had what? What did he have? I, I think he had one catch. No, he had zero catches. Zero, zero catches. And you know that, that that's supposed to be like their number two ish wide receiver. Juju Smith Schuster had like one or two nice plays. Sky Moore had the touchdown. Kadarius Tony had the touchdown plus the punt return. We'll talk about Kadarius Tony. Smith Schuster had that uh that last drive. Smith Schuster showed up. I think he had four catches on that last drive. Yeah. So, but but I mean, still, that's 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 one drive in in, in a game where they scored 30, 38 points. So it's crazy how teams know that, you know, you're going to go to Travis Kelsey. It's crazy how they know that Patrick Mahomes is going to run. He's going to take off. He's going to improvise on some plays. And it's crazy how talented the Eagles are, where Hassan Reddick had a really good game again. Um, you know, they were getting pressure on the quarterback a couple times. And, you know, offensively, the Eagles have A.J. Brown. They have Devontae Smith. They have all these talented skill position players. Jalen Hurts was playing out of his mind. Yet the Chiefs somehow pulled out that win. I mean, and, and it is really it comes down to I think it comes down to Rita Mahomes, like you said. They did a good job neutralizing the Eagles pass rush. I know some of the people are blaming the the turf or the grass for that because guys are slipping slipping around a little bit, which is funny. They spent like two years like trying to perfect that grass and guys are slipping around. <laughs> Eight hundred thousand um, dollars. But like there was that one point where like Andrew Wiley was like humping Hassan Reddick's head. Like they like are in Orlando Brown, like Brown got beat really bad on one play. Um, but for the most part, like they were able to neutralize part one with the quick game. But even when the Chiefs didn't work the quick game, like Mahomes had time, you know, he he like he was able to extend a little bit. Like they just had a, a perfect game plan, and now Patrick Mahomes is is seven and zero versus Vic Fangio because the Eagles brought it. That's it's the too high stuff does not work anymore, especially guys like Patrick Mahomes. It worked like halfway decent for half of last year. 
But now it's just like these teams are going to take what they give you and they're going to be efficient. And when they have playmakers, they're going to figure out ways to do it. And that's what, you know, Travis Kelsey was, you know, their leading receiver. You know, he had 60 uh, yards on the first half. Um, but the, the, the counter to that is like, okay, every time the Eagles went to man coverage, they just would throw the ball to Travis Kelsey, like on that first drive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still put Patrick Mahomes on a do not blitz too high, too high. I, I just I have to force him to be patient because I refuse to let him beat me with a big explosive play. So there is no good way to approach Patrick Mahomes. And this is good on him for, you know, kind of when I say growing and getting better, it's not even like he was that bad to begin with. But there was a, a time where teams just started to play too high. He wasn't patient. He wasn't taking the underneath stuff. And. Now he is, and that's how Travis Kelsey just goes off to. Yeah, he's become a more patient player. His footwork has gotten a lot better where it was getting a little sloppy at the start of last season, um, where it's like he's just the best. Like there's there's no doubt about it. Every metric you look at, it's like tra- it's it's Patrick Mahomes and then everybody else. And then you <laughs> pair that with Andy Reid, you know, to get those you know, those easy touchdowns that they got. Um with that sh- like that short motion stuff was really cool. Um I mean, Mahomes went 21 for 27. And the here's the thing where it's like the Eagles, if there was any chink in their armor, it was the running defense a little bit. And the Chiefs don't have some great run offense, and they don't like to run the ball. I mean, they ran the ball really efficient. You know, 19 carries for 110 yards from their backs. Obviously, Mahomes added another 45 yards on the ground. But every time the Chiefs ran the ball, it was successful for the most part. Yeah, and that helped them. that helped them not get in like third and tens and stuff like that. Like Pacheco played really well. Um, and, and they're all like credit to their offensive line. Like their offensive line played well all night long against a, a front that got 70 sacks. Like no, no front has played the Eagles better than the Chiefs did. Or sorry, yeah. no O-lines played the, the Eagles front better than the Chiefs did. Yeah, I agree. That, and again, I think that's credit to coaching too. Um, they, they, they stuck with it even when they were losing in the second half too. And, you know, they, they kind of started out the game. I was thinking to myself, why are they running so much on first down? Um, they're really trying to, you know, get it going, but you know, it, it worked. And Pacheco runs like his family is being held hostage. Like every, and if he doesn't get five yards per carry, then one of his family members gets taken out. That's literally how he runs. Rutgers guy. Yeah, he was splitting carries with Rutgers last year. Now he's Super Bowl champion running back. Um, do you want to do Tony talk? Yeah, I want to do Tony talk. It's the the. <sighs> The overreaction to me, and this came from you too, to Kadarius Tony, is insane. Like this, like man, the Giants let this guy go, and dumbass Odell was saying it. Giants fans were saying it. Kadarius Tony has not been a good acquisition for a third round pick for the Chiefs. Like I I guess if you're like, hey, it's a third round pick, but he is not a starting wide receiver for them. He played twenty snaps in the playoffs. 20. They don't trust him. By the way, if you can understand German, go listen to an interview that Sandra Plaskummer did. Uh, someone was translating it. Some guy was messaging me, like, saying stuff where it's like, yeah, confirmed all this stuff with Tony. Like, didn't learn the plays, was not paying attention in meetings, was just like, like you know, was basically an asshole in the job. A bad teammate. If, I, I don't understand German, so I'm taking this guy's word for it, but go take it. The guy had 50 yards in the playoffs in three games. Less, That's less, less than... Four, that's less than Isaiah Hodgins, who played two playoff games, Darius Slayton, Richie James, Saquon Barkley in the receiving game. Like, he got schemed wide open on the touchdown. The punt return was great, great. But it's like, the idea that we like, man, I can't believe we gave up on this guy too early. Like, he, like we didn't draft him the first round, they'd be a punt returner. Like, the only thing that makes me sad is a first rounder ended up being traded. The trade was, like, very right. And this is, this is coming from someone who wanted to love Kadarius Tony, right? It's just... Like and he's been injured all year. Like the, I, I don't know the idea that like man, I can't believe they let this guy go. He's got to be in the right. It's just about where you are and what position you are. It's like they played him five snaps on offense in this game. Five snaps, twenty snaps in the playoffs. Like they don't. The Chiefs don't trust him. They use him for like five plays. Here's my theory: Andy Reid intentionally, even when Tony's healthy, not playing Kadarius Tony, unveiling him as the secret weapon in the Super Bowl. No, that's not real life. No, and my overreaction, by the way, he should have been Super Bowl MVP. And that overreaction is coming from, that overreaction is coming from just being at the game and rooting for Kadarius Tony. It's not coming from 
oh, the I think the Giants should have never traded him. I want I want Kadarius Tony to stick it to the Giants. I'm glad he was traded. And I, you know, I, I was around some Chiefs fans and I was telling them, hey, you know, you're welcome for Kadarius Tony. You're welcome for that moment. And I said, thank you for the 101st pick. Um, that is a fair compensation in my mind. It's also a fair compensation, too. Thank you to Joe Shane for trading Kadarius Tony to the Chiefs so he can beat the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl, too. That was uh, that that's when that's how I know the Giants won the trade. But he really should have won Super Bowl MVP. And here's my case. I was at the game, number one. I'm emotional. I'm glad the Chiefs won. Number two, that wasn't just being schemed open. That touchdown wasn't Darius Slay on him, one of the best they, corners in the league. They were bumping their coverage, but he d- didn't. And I, and I didn't see a full replay of this. But Kadarius Tony juked him out of his shoes on a pre-snap motion. Did he not? No, no. I went back and looked. They were bumping their coverage, and then the Chiefs, like, uh, uh, you know, had a wham block with Noah Gray. They were trying to stop the run or a jet motion. That's basically, what it was. Like they found, they found. Uh, an issue with the Eagles' coverage is because you saw they Orlovsky. Like I watched it, I saw the touchdowns last night, but Orlovsky did a good job this morning, um, pointing out when they actually did run the jet sweep. Like this is what they were doing. Um, so I mean, it, it was a good play. Like, hey, he put his foot in the ground. Not many guys can do that, but then Sky Moore's the Super Bowl MVP, and I mean, he was their no, fifth. But, I mean, Noah Gray two, had more receiving yards than Kadarius Tony. Those two plays. By Kadarius Tony and the punt return being the bigger one, changed the trajectory of the game, and that I think what those two plays were the singular most valuable plays in the game. And this is coming from a biased Giants fan who wanted to see Kadarius Tony do well. See, I'm not on the I when we traded Kadarius Tony, I was rooting for him to do well at the Chiefs. I'm not anymore. Oh no! After this game, I'm not rooting for it. But no, but in, but in the was... Super Bowl versus the Eagles, I'm rooting for it. Yeah, sure. Versus, yeah, I was rooting for him last night, but I was never rooting for. I was rooting for Darius Tony to do well at the Chiefs until Darius Slayton has a drop in the Vikings game, and he does a crying laughing emoji at that in that very minute on Twitter. Oh, I didn't, and then, oh, I didn't see that. And then he retweeted it once the Giants lost to the Eagles, which I can understand not liking the Giants, but doing the laughing emoji at your teammate and I'm sure who was a good guy to you and Darius Slayton. Like, man, you really are an asshole. All right. Well, we knew Kadarius Tony wasn't a good teammate. We we, we knew that. That's yeah, why but that's we like him. that's like you are actively like an asshole. Not yeah, just well, like you're not a great teammate because you don't study film and, and you don't know the plays. Yeah, that so, doesn't that doesn't shock me. So um But the but the overreaction from like just the national media, like, man, the Giants fans gotta be sick. It's like one, we no, hate wrong. the Eagles. Like this any hate for Kadarius Tony does not run anywhere near as deep as our hate for the Eagles, which I loved dancing on their grave last night. Um, but it's like he, if he, if he did, ex- if every single thing he did with the Giants or with the Chiefs happened with the Giants this year, we are hating Kadarius Tony. It's like, guy can't get on the field. They don't trust him to play snaps. Cool. He had three random touchdowns this season. That doesn't make it worth it. Like, even if we won the Super Bowl, we're like, man, like we're, we're enjoying the Super Bowl. With the Kadarius Tony punt return and the catch for the touchdown, in three weeks when we're evaluating the offense, the wide receiver position review, we're talking about how Kadarius Tony looks like a failure. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I agree. He's their my, fourth receiver. They, yeah, my, they trust they trust five receivers to play more than him, like Juju, Justin Watson, uh, Valdez Scanting, even uh, Sky Moore. You know, like Noah Gray had more receiving yards than him in this game. Yeah. Yeah, Chiefs also utilize like 12 and 13, pers- 13 personnel. They utilize it like the best in the league. That's really fun. But uh, yeah, my overreaction, again, came from this is probably the last time that I'm ever going to root for Kadarius Tony. It may even be the last time that I ever see him play in person um, unless he, you know, the Chiefs release him like next year and then he goes to a different team and then I watch him play again. That is a that, likely scenario. Yeah, that that is very likely. Um, Nick Sirianni. Have, shedding a tear during the national anthem is okay. He was like actually actively crying. What is wrong? I don't understand. What is like? I don't know. I'm a. I, I, I hate to be like you know. Don't cry. But that was, that was like okay. I, I can't wait till the Giants or till the Eagles lose this game because I, I'm just gonna embed this video of him crying. The gap between 
the Cowboys and the Eagles for me. Like I, I, for years, like growing up, I had more, even though the 2010 heartbreaker, you know, miracle in the Meadowlands too, even though I was there to see that. And that is the, one of the worst days of my life, not just one of the worst losses of my life. It's one of the worst days of my life. I still hated the Cowboys more because of Romo, Witten growing up. And there were just, I felt like there were just more heart, there were more heartbreaking moments in bunches against the Cowboys than the Eagles. But Nick Sirianni is closing the gap, my hatred gap between the Cowboys and the Eagles. One, oh, I, and it, I, I hate the Eagles much more than the Cowboys. Yeah. It, and it's him. It's his punchable, crying face. And the fact that uh, I, I don't, what did you think about like the middle finger and then Jalen Hurts being like, stop? Like that's immature. Oh, he he was was he wasn't doing a middle finger. I thought he was pointing for the first down. Maybe I don't know. I, I the the camera. See, I don't care about that did. stuff. That's one of those things where when you watch him from the, I, I actually like I get like if I was an Eagles fan, I would be all in on Nick Sirianni. He's an but asshole. I'm not so. Um, He's an he is a good coach though. Like this, uh, he, he, the idea that like oh Siri, like yes, do you need good talent to be a a good coach? Yeah. Uh, am I saying he's better than Andy Reid? No, but. He also is a good coach. Like, like he's done some really good things to get that offense the best where it is. And like Jalen Hurts last year was not like some great quarterback. Like no. he was had very serious issues, and they helped develop that. You know, and it's not just the addition of AJ Brown that does that. Like they did a good job developing it. So, uh, if there was one player on the Eagles, I do feel bad for it is Jalen Hurts because he seems like the nicest guy in the world, and he played really well. And it's like, it's hard to get back to this game. Like, there's a good chance that he never, ever gets a chance to come back to the Super Bowl. He played well, had the fumble, so they're, you know, not perfect. Uh, and, and he lost it. But yeah. at the end of the day, I don't feel bad for any Eagles players. And like, that, like, he made we'll some know. big time throws. Like, that third and 14 to Dallas Goddard was insane. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, it was an insane throw. Uh, if there is one other Eagle that I feel bad for, it is James Bradbury. Yeah. That was that is a penalty. It's ticky tack, but it's again. I, I don't. I'm never going to be one that's like losing my. And it technically is a penalty, so I'm not going to lose my mind over that. If I was like, but like, if the shoe were on my foot, and especially if, like if I was there, if I were an Eagle fan, and I spent so much money, the Kansas City Chief fan turned to Joe's McFly and I and said that was the best twenty three thousand dollars I ever spent. And we were sitting up top. <laughs> we weren't even sitting down low. If I were an Eagle fan and I was there and I lost a game like that, even if I wasn't even there and I, and I lost a Super Bowl like that, right, Paul? But in that moment, I, I, I may start to go on a downward spiral. Like that would be the beginning of the end for me if I lost a game like that. Yeah, that's – I can't imagine – I mean – the first Super Bowl I ever watched was the Giants losing to the Ravens um, at eight years old. Actually, I know. I think I wasn't. I, no, yeah, I had just turned eight. Uh, so it didn't hit me. Like, I, I can't imagine the pain of losing a Super Bowl, especially like that. Um, but don't care. Every year, people want to take big takeaways from the Super Bowl. and be Like, this is what you have to do to be a team that can win the Super Bowl. I don't really think there is anyone from this year, unless it's like, hey, get a Patrick Mahomes, but it's like, again, he's the best quarterback in the league. And I think by a pretty decent margin, and I don't think there's any guy that's in the league right now who can surpass him. Um, O-line coaching QB mobility. Takeaways. Yeah. But every year there's like, this is what you got to do to win a Super Bowl, And I, I just feel like this year it's like, everyone's realistic. Like no one else in the league is getting a Patrick Mahomes. Right. Like, like maybe, maybe one guy comes along, but the idea like that's, like that's not that can't be your your team building philosophy of like hey we got to try and get Patrick Mahomes you could try and get guys like in the second tier you know or like the one a, you know the one B tier like Allen uh, Burrow and those guys but it's like Mahomes is just he's kind of having he's a, obviously a hell of a lot more arm talent than Tom Brady but he's kind of becoming the guy where it's like all right if you play me this way this is the way I'm gonna play. Yeah. You take away Tyreek Hill, this is the way I'm going to play. You give me this guy. Like, where Brady, it's like, oh, he's a system quarterback. Like, the system changed a million times in the Patriots depending on what their personnel was and the way they were being played. Uh, you know, so, uh, like, Mahomes is just the best. And there's, like, no doubt about it. And there was there was no doubt about going into this game. Yeah. Um, I guess before we wrap up, uh, thank you to DraftKings. This isn't sponsored, but 
Thank you to DraftKings for sending me and Joe's McFly out here. Um, it was really, really cool experience. Um, I'm glad I got a chance to come out here when the Giants weren't playing in a game, and I also got a. I'm ha happy to get a chance to go out here to to see the Eagles see the Eagles lose. That was that was pretty fun. Big time spelling bee e a g l e s Eagles. Um, Joe's McFly hated the song. He's like, I'm just glad the Eagles lost, so we don't have to hear the song. 75,000 times walking out of the stadium. So really, really fun, cool experience. Glendale, Arizona was a awesome city to host the Super Bowl. Like they had a few different cities in Arizona that had stuff going on. Um, you know, and, and we there was stuff that we didn't even get a chance to do just because we we didn't have enough time. But cool atmosphere, cool vibes, a lot of music, good food. I'm coming home and we're going to Daytona later in the week. Did you get any Mexican food while you're there? I did. Um, okay. You, if I, you're in the Southwest, you got to get Mexican. I went to a place that I don't want to say. There's a certain Giants reporter that told me to go to a place and said, won't regret it. I regretted it. Meat wasn't seasoned. There was not enough seasoning. Like, we, we had to – I don't know this – I don't think this is a thing, but – we had to add the salsa, the sour cream to like our, our like burrito. We had to add everything in to make it like salvageable. And it just was not fantastic. Sorry to this Giants reporter. Lost credibility in my eyes. I don't want to say. I'll tell you all fair. I don't want to say. Okay. Um. All right. That's an episode. We'll be back on Friday live from Daytona. Not sure exactly what the plan for it is. And Justin, I think we should do the – um. Giants free agency plan or up pending free agents plan like uh the, the next week so we'll have that and then I think the combines like right around the corner like we're not we're not too far from there so getting all our, I have a Giants mock draft out this week too so I'll be on the lookout for that uh, a Drew Sanders film breakdown on the JM football channel so a lot of good stuff coming your way we appreciate you guys we'll see you Friday until then let's go big blue <laughs>